yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They can press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they won a loss. And who the ball? So listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is out on assignment, comes back, Charles dips out a couple of times. Charles mm -hmm. then takes a couple of days sending on his paperwork. Oh, man. See, that's what happens when you get in that professor status. I guess you get a tenure track. You just act up. <laughs> hey, Drew, I know you're on a tenure track. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. Make sure you get your tenure first, brother. <laughs> Got to be up these days so I can retire early, Doc. Exactly. <laughs> welcome to Inside uh, Welcome to Inside HBCU. Sports Lab episode 382, Inside the HBCU Sports Lab radio show and podcast show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash, all things HBCU sports for institutions large and small. From the NEIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. We simply call it HBCU sports pedagogy. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cabello, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCOH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Today's episode of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab is sponsored by THE Agency, LLC. THE Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. Guys, before I ask how you're doing, I'm going to take a little personal privilege Put that up there a little bit to show off, you know, just just everybody recognize. You know, I want to shout nice. out to my LBs, 24 Sons of Raw, as this is my 32nd alpha anniversary, as we like to say, uh, in alpha land out there. And so for my brothers, uh, all them celebrating the day and sending things out, I want to take a little personal privilege and put it on the show. I was ready to wear my black and gold, but I had – um, to do a presentation today, so I decided I wouldn't show out the world in terms of black <laughs> and gold. I didn't want to get it confused up there. Bowie State University, I got a chance to present with some students uh, doing some research up there and talking about the 10 pillars that we talked about um, here and there on this show in particular. But again, shout out to my LBs. Happy 32nd. As the countdown continues, man, to 35. Can you imagine that? It's like us with the show, 382 and counting. How about that? Want to say uh happy anniversary to you. Uh, you brothers continue to hold up the light on and upward, young man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. With that being said, let me go back to you, Charles. How you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Just uh, had a 
quick break into uh, Jackson for Ashley Robinson's golf tournament on yesterday. Had a, a fun time out there, uh, uh, pressing the flesh, if you will, with some of the Jackson State dignitaries and playing a little golf as well. So enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, a lot of fundraising efforts underway with Jackson State Athletics and things of that nature uh, as they gear up this week, the blue and white uh, week this week, gearing up to the spring game this afternoon. Uh, A.D. Drew, you think we're going to let him get off that easy? You know, you sitting in <laughs> there <laughs> talking with all the dignitaries, particularly VP of Athletics, Ashley Robinson, you know, what, what's, some of, what's some of the insight? What's going on? What, what, what well, do you know, man? I mean, they got, a lot of, they got a lot of good stuff going on over there in terms of uh, fundraising and things of that nature, Dr. Gabriel. So <laughs> I'm sure – now, when the time was appropriate, they will roll out the uh, uh, the the banner and the headlines for some stuff, this initiatives that they have going on. But a lot of excitement right now. Hey, where's the mic? That is my, <laughs> that is my, he all politically I, I didn't know Jackson State existed uh, since uh, yeah, no, uh, right? football coach. I didn't know they could still right. raise money. I didn't know either. How about that? But guess what? <laughs> guess what? That, that proverbial chip is on the shoulder over there. So, <laughs> well, I hope you shot a good round since she was out there showing off. Did, did you get double digits? Uh, you know what? Me and Dwayne Lewis, we had some good shots out there. We uh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't win, but we shot a good score. We shot eight under. Uh, we we shot a legit. The game didn't travel. So, <laughs> how many ball against did you have to buy? I did not. We shot a legit eight under. So wow. we, we we had some good shots out there. Shout out to Dwayne Lewis, Sports Information Director over there at uh, Jackson State. But uh, uh, we, him and uh, Ashley was grouped together, and we had some good shots out there. Tell you what, Ashley Robinson, he can fire the thing right down the fairway. So. Yeah, Man shout out to, to Silas Edward McMorris. Prairie View Women's Softball is rolling through the sweat. Yeah, they rolling right now, 15-0 and counting in terms of sweat playing. What is it, 16 in a row? With that being said, A.D. Drew, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing all right, my brother. Doing all right. First of all, happy to be back in my home studio doing a show for uh -huh, you, Dr. Yeah. Cavill, instead of just having to hang out at the office for an extra hour and a half because I usually finish up about a half hour before the show's supposed to come on. So I'd have to, so I just have to sit there and just kind of, find something else to do, find another project. So it's, it's good to be in my space on a, on a Thursday. It's always good to be in the home studio. I agree with you. There's something about being in that home space and being comfortable, uh, like you said. Good point there. Uh, before I go back to you, Charles, and see what news you want to discuss, let me give a shout-out to uh, Silas at Edward McMorris, as we did, Theron Waters, Emma Price. Um, as Theron Waters talking about uh, hashtag Hell Wildcats, Emma Price talking about Daytona Beach. Oh, they in the building. Mary Allen checking in at HBCU land, no doubt about it. Chuck Hunt, Brandon King, uh, brother Gerald Wayne Joseph. What's going on? Good uh, to see you. Good to see you jumping in there uh, from the brotherhood there. With that being said, Charles, what's on your mind? What's hot out there? What do you want to share with the people? Yeah, we got another classic to take a look at at Glen County Stadium to host the inaugural Coastal City HBCU Classic. And this comes to us from the Brunswick News. The Coastal City uh, HBCU Classic uh, was officially announced at a press conference on last Friday. Uh, Glen County Stadium Athletic Facility, uh, the SIC conference game between Albany State 
and Savannah State will be held at the stadium at 3 uh, p.m. September 23rd, and the game will be streamed on NBC Peacock. Good stuff, good stuff. Another classic. We'll see how it goes and adds to it. Shout out to the D2 HBCU program out of SIC getting a piece of that action. Eddie hey, Drew, what's on your mind? Well, Dr. Kabil, uh coaching changes. Coaching, well, not necessarily coaching changes. Coaching hires is probably the best word uh, for it. Uh, as, as we know, uh, A&T has hired Montre Waltz as their new basketball coach. Uh, I, I can't remember if y'all went over this on Monday evening or not. If they did, let me know, and I'll move on to my second coach. But, uh, no, that's good stuff. Okay. Ross is the 14th head coach in uh, A&T's history, and they were supposed to hold their introductory press conference today. Ross, Ross is a native of uh, Philadelphia, PA, and has spent the previous three seasons as an assistant with Temple. Before he was at Temple, he was with the Delaware Blue Hands. That's Delaware, not Delaware State. Just want to make sure everybody uh, understands that. Uh, he's a graduate of Winston-Salem <laughs> State and played for Big House. That would be Clarence Gaines. So uh, that's one of the two coaching hirings on this particular week. Also on the Division Two level, Sean Walker just became the new basketball mm. coach at Allen University. Uh, you may have heard that name, Sean Walker. He spent some time in the SWAC at Grambling for a few years. Uh, and the Walker resume is quite impressive. He, so he is coming over to Allen, and he's also changing genders because he was the women's uh, associate head coach mm -hmm. at Shaw. Now he's going over to the band side at Allen. Before that, he was at Elizabeth City. He's actually been at Elizabeth City twice from 18 to 22 on the men's side and from 2003 to 2014 on the men's side. Oh, he was also on the women's side at Elizabeth City from 2001 to 2002. And prior to that, let's see, he was at Grambling from 14 to 17. Prior to being at Elizabeth City, he was at Voorhees. So he's kind of he's kind of been all over, primarily along that uh, East Coast, but he did spend a little bit of uh, time. He's got a couple of swack hours there. You know, he came, saw, <laughs> saw a little bit, saw a little bit of that swack and decided he wanted to get back to the East Coast. So uh and he's Good a uh, 94 graduate of Elizabeth City. Mm. Fascinating background when you picked it up. I want to go back uh, to Monte Ross from this perspective. As you said, he did his um, opening monologue today, press conference, if you would. And one of the things that stood out to me is he talked about the fact that they're going to hang their hats on the defensive side of the ball. You, I've heard that at least, I don't know how many times, from various coaches, current coaches, previous coaches, certainly new coaches. Which sport are you talking about, and Dr. So, it's because you're here for football level. and baseball too. I'm yeah, saying. because because defense yeah. sells tickets. Because defense sells tickets. <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you hear it in football too, so you're right. It's across the board. <laughs> so the question I have for you, and quickly, because we can get into the break, and I didn't know if there's any some other news, but this just stuck with me. So I had to ask you. 
you know, is it, particularly in basketball, I guess in uh, other sports you can thought about that too. But in basketball, is that is that something to do with the just not having as many shooters uh, out there on the basketball side? I know we kind of I asked you this to some degree, Charles, mm-hmm. before we started the show, but it just is interesting to me. And oddly enough, as you said, you hear it in all sports, but basketball, I was like, man, that's not necessarily what people want to see. And even in football, they talk about defense, but you you want to see action, ball in the sky, whatever. What is it with this, like, when you'll be on the defensive side of the ball? Charles? I think your, your, your better shooters are just not in the college game anymore. Uh, I think that that has a lot to do with it, uh, particularly for me, you know, it's just watching basketball nowadays. Uh, it is very half court dominated. Uh, uh, you don't see this uh, sort of uh, fast break, sort of flowy basketball that you get on the next level. So uh, it's very much in the hands of the head coach in terms of calling out sets and making sure you get this perfect uh, uh, shot. Uh, uh, within 10 seconds and you sort of, uh, you know, slow the game down and, and shorten the game, if you will. So it, it's just it's, uh, not the best brand of basketball to watch. With. Drew, you, you coached on that level, so you seem a little bit too. So you can give me some personal insight. One, I guess, is that something that you said? Or? We, we lived <laughs> on it. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, let me t- and let me tell you why we lived on it. Let me tell you why we lived on it. Because anybody can have a bad shooting day. No one okay. should ever have a bad defensive day because defense is about effort. You should be able to go out and give some effort. It does me no good as a basketball coach if you score 15 and you give up 14. It do, that that does me no good. The, the our goal was always you should that that one on one matchup. If we're going to break it down, should be as close to a two to one ratio as, as possible. If you score four points, you need to give up two. If you score eight, your your defensive matchup needs to only be good for four points. And that's how that's kind of the philosophy that that we had. Throughout the team. Now, of course, it didn't mathematically work out like that because you never you never doubled anybody up. But that was the philosophy right. that we played that we played with, and of course, help help to help. It's, it's a team effort. You out there guarding a person, but you got but you got backup. So it was all part of the defensive philosophy. And the thing was, take pride in your matchup. Don't let and I'll just use us for example. Dr. Gaville should not be picking up my file because I was lazy on defense and he had to come over and help and he was a half second slow on his rotation. Yes, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I don't want to pick up nothing. Alcorn is painful to watch basketball wise because because of their style. South Carolina State is painful to watch football because of their defense. Let me let Charles jump in here because I think he got a quick question. I want to make sure you get it in. I want to say this, Drew. You you sold me on it. I still want more action, but you at least gave me some good reasons. Charles, go ahead. I mean, really good question. I mean, do you have to teach defense at the college level? I mean, I watch AAU basketball. There's no defense at AAU basketball. Uh So so my my question is, are we shooting the ball at AAU basketball? I, you know, but, uh, you know, it just doesn't translate to organized, you know, sort of uh, basketball, if you would. 
There's no need sure. at the park either. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 you do have to teach it. And yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't come become a playground legend with defense. No, no. you don't become a playground legend taking right. charges. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and, 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 I, and, and I'll be quick with this. We would probably spend the first week or two of actual practice in fall camp for basketball. I can count the number of times that we would actually touch a ball during those first uh, couple of weeks because it was oh. all it was all about defense and conditioning because you need your legs to play defense. Transfer so, portal. <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so it, it, it was layups, free throws, and defense for uh, for that first week. It seemed like. Ooh. Oh, this had, is good stuff, man. Had, got the bling sure. to show it. <laughs> yep. No, hey, it may work, like you said. But everybody, somebody can't do it as well as others. Before we get out of here, I think it's interesting because we talked a little bit earlier, obviously celebrating gymnastics at HBCU. We had three women that uh, won uh, awards uh, or recognized in terms of uh, gymnastics. And then, obviously, you have the new program coming in at Talladega. That was at Fisk. Uh, then you have lacrosse popping up across, obviously, some new baseball programs. Uh, but this past weekend was the Frozen Four, as they like to call it, in Tampa. And college hockey organization has deliberate effort to make sports reality at HBCUs from HBCU Sports. The director of an influential college hockey organization indicated that it plans to work with the NHL to introduce the sport at HBCUs. Mike Snead. The director of College Hockey, Inc., explained Friday during a press conference at the Frozen Four in Tampa, Florida, that there is a desire to expand the sport at the collegiate level and HBCUs would be a target. Quote, would mean not just a lot of college hockey, but for the sport of hockey, Snee said in response to a question about what it would mean if HBCUs were involved in hockey, end quote. Currently, none of the 107 HBCUs across America offer organized hockey to any degree. One HBCU, Tennessee State, as we talked about when it came out and was announced in 2021, it would conduct a feasibility study to determine whether the school could start a Division I hockey program. Tennessee State already has established a relationship with Nashville Predators through a million-dollar in one-month fundraising scholarship campaign for Tennessee State students. Quote, the idea of establishing a college hockey program at TSU is a tremendous opportunity as the nation's first HBCU to take on this endeavor, end quote. TSU President Glenda Gover said then, quote, this allows us to expand the sport, increase diversity, and introduce a new fan base, end quote. Now, last February, Tennessee State's athletic director, Mickey Allen, the Predators president, and CEO, Sean Henry, announced the fundraising campaign to launch men's and women's hockey program. The funding will go towards scholarships, on-campus venue, equipment, travel, and other ex expenses. The school, however, has not publicly disclosed a dollar figure needed to support hockey or a timeline for when the new program would start. Though ambitious, he said College Hockey Inc. wants to be more deliberate in creating a pathway for hockey to be a reality at black colleges. Last quote I'll give here is, quote, we're working in NHL to expand the college hockey. Does, and part of that would be more deliberate with the 109 HBCUs, end quote. He said, even if the club hockey, not NCAA hockey, but just club hockey, end quote. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like moving forward. I did want to dump that in there. I think it's fascinating to see what that will mean. And we'll kind of keep our eyes on it and see what that looks like. We saw the momentum at Tennessee State. It hasn't pushed forward in terms of the actual program, but a lot of good things around it. 
uh, with the partnership with Nashville Predators and where it may go. So I'm fascinated to kind of see what that looks like, uh, getting outside of the traditional sports that you see played. With that, Stiglitz will be right back after this first break. We'll come back on the other side. These gentlemen were not here as we talk baseball really got in depth. I want to get their thoughts in terms of what took place this weekend. Hey, these Jewels are especially at the D2 level, so they get a chance to share, you know, some of those top teams, anything changed at that level, what it's looked like and going forward, um, as well as maybe a little touch or two uh, on softball for the women. Uh, so we'll be right back after this break, and then we'll get into some uh, football spring meetings in the third segment. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this break in terms of talking some baseball, a little bit of softball. No. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. <laughs> Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love that. And who the ball? So listen to Professor Yes Sir yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Mills inside the HBC Sports Lab with Charles Bishop and A.D. Drew. As we get into it in terms of softball, I'm going to start there. Division One level, Prairie View, 15-0, 15 straight wins as they continue just to get it done uh, in the conference race. Uh, Grambling is behind them at 10-4. and four. That's in the West. Everybody else is um, well behind in terms of what that looks like. But in the East, it's a little tighter race. Alabama State at 11-4, Bethune-Cookman at 10-5, and AMU at 8-4 and four in terms of those races. It's going to be fascinating. We had some separation in the MEAC when you look what took place. We thought it was coming down to Morgan State, North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central took it to the chin, so Morgan State kind of continues to roll. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like as you get into the race there. 
But with that being said, I did want to get your thoughts in terms of baseball, in terms of what took place this past weekend. Um, really, in a lot of ways, that was the halfway mark. Now, rain played a real effect uh, as you got in it last week. It was the first weekend where you started to see some cancellations of the game. Obviously, that started uh, early in the process because it was Easter weekend. So you had a couple of programs that started on Thursday. Um, and we're thinking they were going to be able to end things either at Friday with doubleheaders or Saturday being able to give Sunday off for those that wanted to go to uh, church and celebrate Easter. Uh, but because of the rain, you got folks trying to push things in, and they were going to try to play on Sunday. And ultimately, uh, fields were too wet. Rain continued to do its thing. And so you had a couple of cancellations, which included Valley and Alabama State. They only got uh, a couple of games in. Excuse me. But Thune Cookman at Alabama AM, they only got one game in there. Southern and Prairie View actually didn't get any of the games in there, but they decided to play on Tuesday. Uh, the game was scheduled to be in Prairie View, but I guess they wanted to get it in. Uh, field was too wet to play in there, so they decided to move the game Tuesday, cancel a couple of games they had planned to play, and they played two. Both of them closed games, but Southern gets it done, gets the sweep uh, in terms of those two series, which threw some things in the loop uh, with. Uh, coming in there, Prairie View snuck back in the first coming in there. They didn't play any games. But after Tuesday, Ramblin stays at the number one ranking, even though they lost two out of three to Texas Southern. So things have tightened up in the West. Nine and three with Ramblin. Southern improves the seven and four with those two wins over Prairie View. Prairie View falls to seven and four. And Texas Southern is right behind them at the seven and five mark. That's what's going on in the West. I'll stop right there and ask your thoughts on those uh, two divisions, what took place this weekend in terms of looking at it at the first half of the baseball season as everything flips over the next five weeks. Charles, starting with you, West Division, uh, any inclination of what you can see taking place? or <laughs> No, definitively <laughs> no. I, I can't make heads or tails of the West. And that's a good thing. That, that is makes for a fun weekend, uh, every weekend when you take a look at the, uh, the Swag West because at any point in time, Grambling, Southern Prairie View, or Texas Southern can win a series uh, against each other. Um, you know, I, I, and I think all teams play a, a good brand of baseball, timely hitting, uh, a, a good, uh, solid starter for each team. Uh, but Southern sweeping. Preview caught me a little by surprise, and you know I, I think the last time I was on, I said you know at some point you know Southern baseball kicks in, and so and I'm curious we're at that midpoint now. Uh, is this that point where we start to see uh, Southern baseball, you know, hit that hit that stride and become Southern baseball? So I, I'm just really curious in in, in that regards on the Swag West and the Swag East. I think the the top three teams. Well, uh, hold on, I'm gonna come back to the Swag East. I want. I want to stay mm -hmm. in the West. I'm going to ask that, Julie, then we're going to parcel up and bring sure. you back, we'll break down with East, and then let you go to work, work on the East there. I know you get excited about that baseball, Charles. Uh, and there, uh, he, he, fin he finished the show out. I got to watch get to go. <laughs> Man, we know you're a star. He's so happy to be back in the lab. Look at him. I am. I, am. I don't know what you to know do. I mean, <laughs> microphone hot. <laughs> I appreciate it. Exactly. I appreciate you. Uh, AD Drew. Let's look at the West. Let me give you one quick update that was fascinating in terms of Charles, particularly the Southern and Prairie View. The first game was what Southern has been able to do over the last couple of years. 
Prairie View was up in that game. Southern ties it in the eighth with two runs, and then they get a walk-off in the ninth, ninth inning to win it 5-4. They win another close one in the second one, 4-3. This is the program that was there. What's even interesting to me is the fact that it'll be intriguing to see how much will this stay in hunt Prairie View. The fact that they decided to play the game. Again, they were supposed to be in Prairie View, but they played in Baton Rouge. I'm not sure they're going to you know, switch the series back. They're probably going to play those last three at the end of the season still in Baton Rouge. So that's five games that essentially were played in the home, especially when you're playing that close. You would think home field would give you a little advantage. So I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. Kudos for Prairie View coach saying he wanted to play games. Drew, what are your thoughts about all that? That I put in there. And I have I didn't look at that box score. I'm gonna assume, even though the series was switched to Southern, that Prairie View was still the home team and batted last. I'm not sure I haven't seen the box <laughs> score because I've I've seen that happen. Where, I, I don't think where you've had the way they did they did it out there. I'll look at the box score because your point, but I they specifically talked about it in the walk-off. Usually you think about a walk-off. Walk-off is the last <laughs> Yeah, that's the last yeah, Because you because if if I'm Prairie View. The only way I'm coming to you to play is we can play the game like at your field, but I need to. I still that was my home game. I want my last back because yes. yep. that that would have possibly prevented. Well, it wouldn't have prevented what you said, but that would have been the go ahead home run instead of the walk off home run, which leads me to think, Doctor Cavill, that maybe when they when they go back, because they've got to go back mm-hmm. to preview. That they'll that they'll make those two games up where Prairie View actually has the last at bat because that's a distinct disadvantage for Prairie View to essentially play five role games against against one opponent. Is there a team that walks teams off more than Southern? Or no. a team that, I mean they fight. I mean, Drew may be able to tell you something in the SIEC. Obviously, they're not really playing baseball as a conference, neither does the MEAC, but I hadn't seen any. Program and I've been following baseball uh, for you know 15 years since we and have really been covering one of the sports I started with was baseball, Drew. And and if something don't walk you off, they're gonna walk you down. They gonna walk the you game down. up yeah. and, and, and send the game to extras. <laughs> oh. It would be fun to just informally poll coaches in terms of playing the Southern Jaguars with those ninth inning demons because they, they something happens in the ninth inning, they either gonna catch you. Oh, they're gonna walk you off. I I have never seen a team more fortuitous in the eighth and ninth innings than that Southern ba- uh, baseball program. Well, let's take our second break. We'll come back on the other side, and I'll get y'all pin- opinion on the East. I want to see how <laughs> interesting that division is as I break it down. Stickers will be right back after our second break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll give you a little swag baseball on the East to see what they're doing on that side of the conference. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, 
Call Cuvée. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love that. And who the ball, ball, so listen to Professor Yes Sir yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill. We're inside the HBC Sports Lab with Professor Bishop, Professor Drew. As we talk about this, before we go to the East, I do got to sneak this in there. Uh, yesterday, uh, Texas Southern went to play two games in Kansas. Tuesday it took place. Wednesday, um, it looked like an obvious the third baseman dropped his head, the right fielder over there, <laughs> excuse me, left fielder over there. He looked up. He knew it was gone. Referee just he took one look, came back and said, foul. It would have been a grand slam, tied the game 11-11. It would have been an eight inning, uh, inning with things still to go to see what took place. And conveniently, as I like to say, because I put it all the way out there, hashtag convenient. They come in there, then they go and look at the replay and like, uh, well, we can't overturn it because it's not clear. Like it was clear oh. to everybody else. <laughs> I was sick. I, I started to ask Roy to play the video, but I, I just couldn't stomach. So shout out to Varick to bringing it back up because I did want to make sure I shared that out there. But you frustrating when you see that level of incompetence taking oh, place. That, that, uh, that, that, that baseball budget is bigger than Texas Southern's total athletic budget. And you can't get the right camera angle to show that that ball was fair. That I'm is gonna, so bad. Right. And you can't right hire competent officials to call the game fair. SEC? No, Big 12. Big 12 officials. Exactly. I mean, you, but they're not. Yeah, they, they, were not, they were incompetent that day. Yeah, they, they, yeah correct. They were incompetent that day. I mean, that is All a right, call that you can't get that wrong. You can't get the fair pole. No, you, you, come you on. Can't get that wrong. And it yeah. wasn't like it was a game loser either. It just tied up the game. Who's to say right. they win the final? Game? But, but whatever. East, Bethune Cookman is 8 and 2. Alabama State is 9 and 3. FAMU is 9 and 3. And then the bottom falls out in terms of that. But it'll be interesting. I will say. Uh, between the, the bottom three teams who will be fighting for that fourth slot. Yeah. The top four teams get into the tournament. And unlike the West, it looks like we're clear of who four teams will be in. We just don't know uh, what finish they will come in and what seating they will have. But let's stick with the East. Bethune Cookman might be the surprise of the first half of the season. Uh, they lead 
uh, the conference race, eight and two, Alabama State at nine and three, FAMU at nine and three, as I said. Uh, sticking with you first, Drew, what are your thoughts of what's going on in the East? Man, uh, I don't know what to tell you about this doggone, uh, about this <laughs> doggone East, man. First of all, let's start with the obvious. Valley and Southern, I mean, Valley and Jackson State are fighting for the fourth slot. Mm-hmm. So that right there ought to tell you what the heck we got going on with all this, uh, with all with all this ball, man. And uh, whew, you know, but boom, not getting that series in against Alabama A and M. Will that affect the race? one way or the other. The fact that Bethune will potentially have fewer games, you know, because now, mm-hmm. now you got to get into percentages and, and things like That's that. True. Will that be an advantage for uh, Bethune or will that be a disadvantage for Bethune from that series against Very Alabama close. A&M? It, we're we're going to play. We're going to see. have to see that because correct me if I'm wrong, that was a, that, they got one or they got both here. I mean, did they get Just one? one the first one. Yeah, they got, they got one. Just the first so, one. So there's an opportunity to make up one of those games during the when the series gets flipped. And like I said, you just let uh, Alabama A&M be the home team on Bethune's field for a doubleheader in one of those uh, in, in their flip series. You know, go back to that BX schedule where they were playing for a single, a double, and a single, or however they decide to do it. So I, I want to see them try to make up at least one of those two games that were lost to weather last week because it is going to be that important at the top. And once again, Valley, Jackson, going to be interesting with those two play again. You can't afford to lose to Valley. Fam, you have to sweep this uh this series this, this upcoming weekend. We just going to put it like that. This, this upcoming series, this weekend – Against Alabama A and M, this is the one that you have to get the sweep against because the other five teams, you, you're subject to drop one. You got to take care of business against Alabama A and M this weekend if you're Florida A and M. Good stuff. Good stuff when you talk about those need to win. Whether you're trying to sweep a Valley and or Alabama A and M to give yourself a little cushion in the room. Fascinating in the East. I like the point you brought up. You know, will those two games hurt uh, Bethune-Cookman in regards to not getting them in? One thing I will say with the baseball coaches, over the last couple of years, they've really done a lot of things to see if they can make up games whenever possible. So you're right. If there's a way to get one in, they seem to do it. You just saw it with Prairie View. We'll see what it looks like because you discussed it early in terms of who was the home. Another great question. But with you, Charles, what is your assessment? of, you know, the first half of the East and or particularly what took place this past weekend? Uh, I think the top three teams in the East have have definitely separated themselves uh, in terms of the, the upper-tier programs. When you talk about Alabama State, Bethune-Cookman, Florida A&M, how prophetic it was two years ago when we were looking at that SWAC baseball tournament and saw that missed opportunity by Jackson State to win that SWAC championship, mm-hmm. and then you looked – Two years down the line, you know, Bethune Cookman and Florida AM uh, have in many ways usurped uh Jackson State's perch mm-hmm. at the top 
of the SWAC East. And this year it's really playing out. Uh, Jackson State is a little bit deceptive because you see them uh, in terms of their number two in the SWAC in terms of hitting. But take a look at those midweek games where they're beating up on the likes of Tougaloo and Russ College. So, you know, to me, it's a little bit deceptive when you really need those bats, especially on weekend series in the SWAC, uh, those bats, uh, the pitching has has won out. And they've dropped series to Alabama A&M, dropped series Florida A&M, dropped series to Alabama State, uh, Alabama State with a sweep. Uh, That sweep by Alabama State uh, a couple weekends ago really cemented, you know, where Jackson State's baseball program is in terms of looking up uh, to uh, Alabama State, and in many ways, looking up to Bethune Cookman toward AN as well. Oh, wow. Uh, Barrick has an update. I don't know how reliable this is, but Barrick is usually pretty on it and he gets good information. He shared um, in the thread, he heard the SWAC made a ruling and PV lost those home games. Heard they didn't cover the infield, uh, which means they probably didn't have a tarp, which is not good. I do know the SWAC had a ruling that everybody was supposed to invest in talks. I know Prairie had talks for a while. Uh, I'm not sure what happened there, but that's something interesting to follow up in. Obviously, we'll see if we get that. And then at some point in the season, we'll see, <laughs> you know, what takes place in terms of the second half of the season. But again, um, it's fascinating to see what took place there. And if that was the case of why maybe the coach decided to get those games in with that being said. Uh, With that going on, let's get in there a little bit in terms of the SIC. Morning, A.D. Drew, give us a little update in terms of what's taking place there. Albany, my understanding, they had another tough loss weekend game, uh, uh, not being able to do well there, which makes it tougher. As I asked you last week to kind of give an update of what's taking place there, Obviously, the first thing they got to find a way to win the SIC regular season. Uh, they're they're pushing on that. Would be fascinating, and they probably have to win the tournament. I think you talked a little bit about on Sunday the challenge for them making the playoffs is is that they probably have to win both because they're unlikely, even with the record overall, be able to get an at large bid. But give us a little update on the SIC. What kind of top teams are getting done, and what's taking place in the SIC baseball? Well, Dr. Cavill, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Well, first of all, I'll say this. If you're Albany State, you cannot lose to a Boarhouse. Oh, just, my goodness. Yeah. We're just going to leave it right there. Mm-hmm. Albany State was 21-1 and one coming into that game. Boarhouse was 13-12 and 12 coming into the game. That's just like I say, it's imperative that Florida A&M sweeps Alabama A&M this weekend. That's that same type of series on the Division II level. So, Dr. Kavir, what that has created is real simple. It's Albany State, it's Spring Hill, and there's everybody else. Spring Hill, 20 and 4. Albany State, 21 and 2. They play the last series of the season mm. in Mobile. That will mm. determine who will be the number one seed because both teams essentially this weekend, uh, both teams this weekend have, uh, well, Albany State has uh, has Miles, which which will be a competitive game, and Kentucky State, which will be a competitive game. Looking at Spring Hill's schedule, they've got Morehouse this weekend. Once again, 
They need to sweep. They need to sweep Morehouse. They got. They have Benedict the following weekend. They need to sweep. Uh, Spring Hill should, should sweep Benedict to set up that showdown the last weekend of the series. And uh, though we got to get to the other side, I want to let Charles get in on that for a moment. But I do want to come back with some SIC softball when we come back to the other side. But go ahead, Charles. No, I was was asking where was Savannah State within the within the pantheon of teams in SIC. They're a distant third. They're fifteen and five. Gotcha. Yes, they're a distant third. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to come. Yeah, down. they they would need they would need both Spring Hill and Albany State to kind of fall apart to really get back in the race. But they are a team that could give you trouble in the tournament. So it'll be kind mm-hmm. of interesting to see are they able to stay pretty much that solid third best team. What who will that look like? Because if the standings take place, you think about this in terms of seeding. You talking about one, two, and three. That means whoever second will face Savannah State in the tournament theoretically in terms of the number two and three seed, unless they get upset. So it's fascinating. Great points. Number one will play Emma Waters as of right now. Before we take this break, what was that? Just give you a quick song. Just talk. Obviously, yep. right right now, Albany State would be fact, matched up against Ever Waters in the in the first round. Switching over to uh, softball quickly, Doctor Kavir, uh, Spring Hill once again muddies up the water for our SIAC teams. Uh, softball is broken up east and west. I've, yes, east and west when it comes to uh, when it comes to softball. So. Spring Hill sit at the top of SIAC softball at a 13 and 1 clip on the on the west side. Miles sits second and Tuskegee sits third. Miles 9 and 2, Tuskegee 10 and 3. Obviously, we know that they all come down to percentage points. Spring Hill is going to win the West. Miles and Tuskegee hmm. won't catch him. You know why Miles and Tuskegee won't catch him? Guess who has to play each other this weekend? Wow. Miles and Tuskegee play each uh, other this weekend. Oh, so the, number, the number two and the number three team play each other this weekend. I doubt very seriously either one of these teams will sweep the other team, which is going to allow Spring Hill to uh, to add to their lead because they have Kentucky State this weekend. Now, who can't buddy up the water for Spring Hill? They have Lane next weekend. So is Lane as good as their record? We'll find out when they play Spring Hill. Because you'll find out flip it over sure. to the east. We got we have a race in the east. Ever uh Waters still at the top, 11 and 3. Tied with them in the wing column is Albany State at 11 and 5. Closely behind both of those, Fort Valley, 9 and 8. So the East went from Ever Waters running away with it to Albany State pulling the Southern and decided they want to walk somebody down. Good stuff. Let me give you a quick update in CIAA before we take this last break. Uh, Bowie State, the Bulldogs, uh, sit at 25-10 and 10 overall, 8-0 in the conference race in the Northern Division. Closest team behind them at this point is Elizabeth City State at 4-2 in conference play, but they're just 4-10 overall, so I think it's going to all be about the Bulldogs. We'll see. In the Southern Division, it's Claflin and Winston-Salem State. You have Claflin sitting in 19-9 overall, 5-1 in the conference race. But Winston-Salem State has played more games, almost twice as many as they sit at eight and two in the conference race, but 15 and nine overall. So those are teams that you probably want to keep your eyes on. Sneaking in there, I'll give some love to Fayetteville State at seven and three, but they're just 12 and 15 overall. So 
that's what's going on in CIAA. With that, let's take our last break. We'll come back on the other side and talk a little bit of spring football. We got a gluttony of games this weekend. We had some last weekend. We'll see what uh, Charles and A.D. Drew have heard about what's taking place in spring football, anything standing out. You know, I take a caution with spring football. Everybody feels they do wonderful and look good, but it is what it is. It is spring football, so we will talk about it. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the other side after we take our last break. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational. Powerhouse. Intelligent and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice. Kevers Voice. Kevers Voice dot com. Always on. All the time. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna lock, yeah, and who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. Mike Watson is out on assignment, but I have the pinch hitter. He's right here, ready to go, and that's AD Drew. Obviously, we have Charles. Bishop that always brings it to you nice and heavy as you get in there. We um, are missing our data doctor, but we'll see if he, you know, takes some little data breaks. We'll see if one of these guys wants to get into that. But anyway, let's get back to it. I'm going to start with you, Charles. Spring football, you know, I know you shook your head in agreement that, you know, a lot of people get excited. Uh, but we are in the business of telling the story of HBCU sports, and that is this time of year. What have you heard out there in terms of spring football in general? What are you um, excited about, or are there any new names that kind of should get across? What is coming to your attention at this point? Yeah, I think there are, obviously you have a, a tremendous amount of changes over at Jackson State. So the, obviously uh, there's going to be a lot of excitement around Jackson State spring uh, practice, a, a spring ball game this weekend. Uh, uh, in terms of the excitement there, I mean, they have a, a whole day of events planned out uh, through that spring game. So uh, a lot of uh, Jackson State fans get an opportunity to see how this team is reconfigured, especially along the offensive lines, defensive lines, and the skill positions, quite quite honestly. Uh, it, it is going to probably be a fun day, a, a Saturday, in terms of just watching what that team uh, has and uh, some new names and faces to become acquainted with. In that regard, same thing with Texas Southern. 
I think there should be a lot of excitement around Texas Southern football. Uh, they have added some pieces uh, from the transfer portal, including one name that sticks out in terms of uh, Quadarius Davis, who was at Jackson State, but who is now at Texas Southern. Uh, he has some real YouTube highlights, especially from his time in high school, but a lot of excitement with regards to what he can bring to this Andrew Body-led uh, offense. The same thing for Purview. You take a look at Texas Southern Purview, they were right there on the cusp of the SWAC championship. Uh, both lost some pieces in the transfer portal, but both are bringing in new pieces. Uh, think about uh, an individual like uh, Brian Jenkins, who was at Alabama A&M, who's now at Purview now, who can be a real playmaker for the Purview A&M Panthers. But, you know, when we take a look at these spring games and, and talking informally to coaches, you know, uh, around the league, uh, the excitement starts coming <laughs> uh, that first summer session because you get another wave of guys who transfer in and out of school. So uh, I think for a lot of fans, we, we, we enjoy the spring game in terms of knowing who the new faces might be, but there's always a, a look toward that summer session in terms of who are some new pieces that could be coming into these programs. Good stuff. Drew, same question to you in regards to the spring football. Where are you at? What have you heard of what's hot, what's not? Uh, any concerns out there of what's taking place in the spring football? Well, first of all, I, I want to give the people at Florida A&M University, Josh Padilla, uh, Coach Willie Simmons, and everybody involved uh, their kudos for just bringing hype around spring football because spring football is something that blue football fans really don't kind of get into because of some of those factors that Charles just mentioned. But if you watch the FAMU spring football Draft and the production that they put into it <laughs> with Commissioner Willie Simmons looking mm. stepping to the podium looking like Roger Goodell <laughs> and shots from the war room with the different coordinators and the coaches. The only thing that was missing was the the players' instant reaction when their name was called. That was really cool. The, the green room. They they if they would have had the green room. Like they do on, uh, like we'll see you in two weeks on the NFL. That yeah. was the only thing missing. But that's how you bring hype around spring mm -hmm. football by making a production out of it. And of course, coming out of that production, season tickets do go on sale Saturday when they. There you it. go. Exactly. So somebody marketed it earned a degree. I don't mm -hmm. know where they got it from, but they earned their degree. That, that was damn well done. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. Stand yeah. That that was cool. Yeah, staying in the state of Florida. I want to see what happens with Bethune-Cookman in, in their spring mm -hmm. game, given all the turmoil yep. that they had in the offseason, uh, starting from, you know, going through essentially three coaches. Uh, you know, you, you, had, you had your previous head coach, you had Ed Reed, and now you have your current head coach. I want to see – that's one team I really want to see what they look like in spring because they had the latest start of any of our Division One programs just getting everything together, getting their stuff off the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, looking at the Division Two level, let's stop. We can't really look at the Division Two level <laughs> because of what Charles said. People are going to transfer after these spring games. So the division, especially on the Division II level, the roster you see in these spring games will not be the roster that you see in the fall. Because a, a lot of these people who, who are out there still in the portal, 
or who decide to get into the portal late mm. and don't have a home wind up falling down to some of these Division II programs. And these Division II programs pick up a lot of studs during the summertime. Uh, people who were not on the map, not on the depth chart or the radar during these spring games. So Division II fans, please take the the, the, the spring game with a salt shaker, not a grain of salt. You need to take it with a whole salt shaker because the, the <laughs> roster that you see today will not be the roster that you see September 1. Good stuff, Drew, as always. With that, I'm going to go back to you, Charles, uh, from this question and kind of borrow from some of the high points that AD Drew talked about. Obviously, fam, you took it to the next level, but we've seen this across uh, HBCU sports of really making um, the spring game an event. Uh, Prairie View a couple of years ago, they would almost have a spring jambalaya, if you would, where they would have either track going on with high school day along with baseball and softball games at home coordinating yes, I've seen some of those. spring football game. You've seen that across. Uh, but you see a lot of production, a lot of hype about bringing people to campus, almost in a, a mini homecoming, if you allow me to use that framework, mm -hmm. where there are significant events, spring fest. concert, spring fest type of things going on. Uh, as Drew just alluded to, what are your general thoughts about how HBCUs have taken advantage of the momentum of spring football and really made it more of an event? You know, I go back to the COVID year uh, when we played uh, in the spring, and you really saw this wellspring to me of really trying to turn uh, uh, out the attendance uh, in terms of uh, of making it uh, a real party-like event atmosphere. Uh, obviously, we had we were dealing with the pandemic at the time, but I really took note of some marketing and branding ideas that really uh, flowed through through that uh, spring COVID season. And now you see kind of the manifestation of it a little bit more. Uh, you mentioned uh, AD with the with the uh, with the with the draft, if you will. Uh, Jackson State, uh, uh, the culture that is that you're pulling back the curtain on a new regime. So there's a, an entire uh, 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 event that's going along with the, the spring game, a huge party afterwards uh, uh, that uh, that is going on at the convention center uh, in Jackson, this guard the yard event uh, that everybody is looking forward to. So uh, there, there's been a wellspring, I think, of, of marketing and branding ideas that have really come out of uh, the, the spring games and really trying to galvanize that fan base to purchase season tickets. We now have a much better understanding of how important uh, season tickets are towards the, the growth and the wealth uh, of your particular football program. Same question to you, A.D. Drew. I know you focus on FAMU, and they certainly deserve the kudos in terms of continuing the tradition of taking it to the next level. But if you look across the board in terms of uh, what we see, with HBCUs and using the spring game as a spring fest, as you alluded to, or having multiple events in terms of baseball, softball, if you would, or even track if they have it. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? What are some the next nexus that you see coming up? As a HBCU fan, I love the fact that if if it's thought out well for a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I could do multiple athletic events on on my particular campus because it's a great revenue booster and it's an extra recruiting tool. You know, some of those football prospects that you were looking at 
who were not on your radar in the fall or who did not get an opportunity. And I'm talking about juniors now, sophomores and juniors who have not had a chance to come to campus during football season, maybe because they're, they're focused on their individual high school season. This is a good opportunity to give them a good taste of what the atmosphere is like at your institution with all the sports and all the alumni coming back and the student body uh, coming back. And for the students, this is a good, like, last hurrah before they go, go into finals. So it's good for the students to be able to kind of yeah, let their you. hair down and do that. Now, as a administrator, oh, it's hell when you got all those sports going on at the same time. Because mm. <laughs> let's be real, you are not staffed to handle a track meet, softball, baseball, tennis, golf, and a football game on the same day, let, let alone the same weekend. You usually have enough staff on your campus to be able to handle two simultaneous events, you know, in a good, in a good situation. But to have five, six events going on at the same time, that is tough as, as an administrator. Call, it calls for a lot of additional resources. The only thing I'm going to say with that, for those institutions who do pull that off and pull that off well, kudos to you. But please, do not try this at home, as they say. Do not try this unless you know you have the staff, the parking, the security, the everything else that it takes to pull off these events because you have to essentially plan this like it's homecoming in order to cover everything that you need to cover as far as staffing goes. As we come to close and close it out, again, let me say happy Alpha anniversary for the 24 Sons of Raw. And the reason I bring that back up because the other thing that is uh, – nice part of having the spring and the warming weather warming up oftentimes you have a lot of the greek organizations crossing new lines so this is a chance to get them out and get some excitement as well whether it's the sororities or fraternity so again shout out to 24 sons of raw uh, happy anniversary with that being said we'll come to a close thank you for listening to inside hbc sports lab make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues i am Dr. King Adekabil, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports uh, with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop, obviously our guest, uh, A.D. Drew, as he's really just a regular. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock uh, Central Standard Time. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest in the lab with the news It'll be interesting to see. I think the big game I'm focused on this weekend is Texas Southern and Southern in terms of that matchup, obviously, in the West. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, with D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. Facebook and YouTube is Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you like and subscribe. Download my JBN, my BCSN. Again, we're running a special for HBCU businesses out there. $300, $500 special. If you get a chance, go ahead and go to the website and participate that. It's a great opportunity to support us and allow us to support you. Dream big. Continue to move forward as we just talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. A.D. Drew? Lecture. Dismissed.